cold when I was here. Uh, and it was cold again this morning. But you are so warm. Simple big idea. GT asked me to preach on James chapter 1, the passage we have here. There's a simple big idea and that is be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has been hearing stories about the church. He's writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, which is a, basically a description of all the churches. The 12 tribes, the completion of Israel, not separate to Israel, not two different covenants, but the fulfilment of Israel in the gospel of Christ and those who are dispersed, that is the churches everywhere. So basically, he's written a letter and he's written to all the gathering Christians everywhere. And so the letter would have gone out very widely and broadly. And he's writing to these people because as he hears the stories about them and as he grows in his faith and experiences people living out faith, he recognises this, the big challenges that he writes about one, our relationships with people, the way we speak to people. Two, the way we treat others. And three, that lively faith does decline, particularly because we're polluted by the world, but through other reasons as well. So in the very first part of the letter, he says, with regard to your faith, consider it joy when you experience trials because the trials through perseverance, produce the perfection of your faith. So he's got faith in mind. He's got the pollution of the world, that is, the impact of sin in mind, but particularly he's focused on how you speak and how uh, you treat other people. It's just a big duh, isn't it? And for those who are from uh, Canada or the United States, uh, duh is, is not the same as dot. Duh means, yeah, well, of course, that's obvious, isn't it? Duh, uh, that, that the problems we have are with people, with other people. And so what he says to them with regard to this is, uh, very importantly, it all proceeds from verse 18. He chose, this, there's a glorious description of him, but we won't have time. He chose, that is God, to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The first fruit, of course, uh, in the teaching of Scripture, Old Testament and into New, is the best of what comes. So the first fruits of creation through the birth of the word, that is where, where to be the best of creation. And always evidence of the sacrifice of Christ to the Father, which is elevated in eternity, the service of the church to Christ which is elevated in eternity. This is the first fruit of creation. And it's the word which is at work in us in this regard. And he says, therefore, James says, therefore, there's a simple way to think about this. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, or the title of the message, you've got two big ears, one dangerous tongue, and no excuses. Two ears, one tongue, and no excuses. And when he says to them, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry, he's saying that immediately from talking about the importance of the fact that the word, the creative word, the new saving word 
is making us, has brought us to birth as first fruits. And the first thing you need to know, therefore, is be careful with this, work really hard on that, and avoid that. And it is simply good practical advice, isn't it? It's spiritually dynamic, but what he's talking about here when he says, uh, listen, speak, and angry, he's both talking about me to you, but also me to God. Hear God, hear you. Speak carefully, slowly, be slow to do it, to you and with God, and anger also with regard to you and with God. So let's take this idea of the everyday engagement, other person-focused advice to be slow to speak. If I said to you uh, tomorrow or yesterday, if I said to you, did you have a good day today? How would you value it? You might say, well, well, you might think the kids were unruly. I I found out my husband's got health problems. Uh, Money's tight and... The mailman came and it wasn't a thank you card, it was another bill. Uh, and, and I was treated so appallingly uh, by a person who misunderstood me entirely and they accused me of something that just wasn't true. Actually, you know, I had a really hard day and so I had to spend time in the Word and to read some Psalms and to say my prayers and to ask God to help me get through the day. And you might, that might have been your assessment of the day. But what if, what if I asked you to think of it like James has just said? What if yesterday you got up and you said, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm participating in the first fruits of the new creation, which is a big deal, and I'm very thankful for it. And I recognise that's the work of your Holy Spirit in the victory of Christ. And I know that there's just a few things you want from me to live out in that regard. One is um, to have big ears, to listen really carefully. And, and I know that that means to listen to you really carefully, to have radar ears for heaven, um, to, to not charge into situations, but to be careful as I enter into them and to listen to you, to bring your word to me. So I'm going to be meeting with someone soon who's, who's got a little bit of antipathy, which means they're a bit edgy with regard to me and... and and I'm, I might tend to be defensive, but I want to hear your word carefully about them. But I also I want that to happen in the way that I listen to them. So as I listen to them with my two big ears, just, just inhabit that whole thing for me, will you? So here I am, Lord, the beginning of the day. Help me to listen with two big ears. Radar ears to heaven and two big ears to people. And then to be really slow to speak. Because, you know, Lord, I tend to have opinions and I tend to know what things ought to happen and I tend to tell people that or I tend to want things to be tidy and so the best way to manage that is to tell people things uh, or... And then very seldom other people get it right after I've explained it to them. And they don't treat me right or they don't treat other people right. They, they say the wrong things and they don't listen carefully. And it makes me angry. And if I was to be honest, frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm angry that my life keeps being so difficult with regard to other people. God, I'm a little bit angry at you, if I might say so. Let me see if I can find a psalm that says it's all right to say that. 
Now the, now the point about that is, if, so if you kicked off your day quick to listen to God and to others, slow to speak, to hesitate, to wait to see what the Holy Spirit's doing and to allow myself to be used and certainly slow to anger, slow to make a judgment on what's happened. You could have got up yesterday and whether the bills were due or not and, and whether the kids were unruly and whatever the health problems, you could have had a cracking win at the end of the day, could you not? Whatever else happened, you could have been rich or poor. You could have been abused or disabused. You could have been in, in a, an inferno of difficulty and had an extraordinary victory. Could you not? You could have. That's why Paul says... Here's some simple rules for you. Usually when I see a book or hear a, of a speaker who's got the three simple rules for success, I think, nah. But James has done it here for us. And it's interesting, when James writes, he's very abrupt, isn't he? So he'll say a thing like, uh, your faith doesn't save you. And you think, hang on, Jesus says faith does save you. And so is it Jesus or James? But see, what James does then is James goes on to explain it or he jumps to another subject and comes back next part of the letter and explains it in detail what he means. So you've got to give James the full read. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, not exactly, but you've got to lay it out there and then bring it back in together. So you go through and you say, everything here about holy living, everything here about lively faith, everything here about speaking, everything about treating other people, everything about wealth, lay them out, and then bring them back in. And what you find is he's not, he's not uh, refuting faith, he's not denying faith, he's defining faith. He's not refuting the, um, the, the, those, those issues, there's more of them, but that's, that's how he works. And so he, he gives us these three simple ways to understand. And the first one is to be slow to speak. Now, this is not only in everyday engagement, other person focused with the possibility of extraordinary victory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, I had a good day. But also in a lifetime engagement with the word of truth. And I say engagement really importantly, an engagement with the word of truth. There is a possibility in, in the history of Christianity and in the history of holiness to think that I'm only really at my very best the day I come to faith. The first day that I knelt at the cross of Jesus and laid down my sin and laid down my excuses and received his forgiveness and the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternity with the Father. That was my best day. And everything else is in danger of being sullied and soiled by the world. So the best thing that I can do is to exclude myself from those dangers. Now, look, it makes sense. Uh, friends, I don't want to offend you, but if you don't want to have an illicit sexual relationship, don't go to a brothel, etc. You know, But that makes sense to us. We know about that. But that's not, it is not the nature of the gospel to say that engagement with God is withdrawal from the world. So when you read him say to be unstained by the world, that doesn't mean don't have anything to do with it. In fact, I put it to you, I want to demonstrate or illustrate this in two ways. One, it, you, you cannot make any sense of the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal word of one being with the Father. So 
God didn't come up with an idea, I'll send my son. It is always in God to send his son. And when the son comes, he seeks and he saves the lost. They said about him, they said about John, he's got a demon because he excludes himself and goes to the desert. They said about Jesus, he's a drunkard and a glutton because he aligns himself with sinful people. He seeks them out. Now, friends, if it's in the nature of the Trinity of God to seek and to save the lost, to be amongst them, do not think, therefore, that you can't ever go to a brothel, getting back to the point. The point is, some of you definitely should not go. Yeah? I mean, that's obvious. But some should. Some of you should never be on the streets of King's Cross. But some of you should never leave the streets of King's Cross. Obvious? And with regard to your holiness... Uh, the nature of the word is not that we withdraw ourselves from people because the danger is we won't listen carefully and we won't speak and we'll get angry. That's what depressed people do and that's what alienated people do. Depressed people, and I speak for them because I have been one of them, uh, think it's all too hard. I, I, I don't know how to sustain myself in these difficulties. What will I do? I'll curl up on a bed. And I'll turn off my phone and I'll, I'll exclude myself. And then, man, life will get better for a little while. True? But depression's an illness. You won't be curled up in heaven. And then the other thing is this. There are people who, who come to church or join a congregation who feel like they've been spoken to wrongly or probably have spoken wrongly themselves they haven't been listened to properly or they didn't listen properly themselves and anger came about and they just thought, this is too hard, we're leaving. And they leave the church because there was conflict. Conflict has to do with listening, speaking and being angry, true? Conflict has to do with being first fruits. First fruits of creation overcome conflict and have victories of love. But people who cannot cope with it withdraw. And I, I say this, with gentleness in my heart. Do not join a congregation that was founded on someone who couldn't get on with people, withdrew from the church of God and established a church in their own house that consisted of themselves. Don't join it. There's no foundation there for godliness if it's based on exclusion, based on leaving. There's a difference here. Now, make sure you get it. If someone says, would you come to the United Emirates and start a congregation in a, in a waddy waddy, then, and it was only you and your family, well, God bless that congregation. You weren't being excluded, you were being sent. Do you see the difference? Do you understand the difference? Good, great. Okay. Now, so getting back to it. So I say lifetime engagement with the word of truth. Lifetime engagement is quick to listen, quick to listen to what? We always ask the text and the text says to us, verse 18, to, uh, he, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits. So this is verse 18, the word of truth, verse 21, 
If you've got a pen there and it's your own Bible, feel free to mark it. Just so that you can look at it and see how much of this is word-based. You look at it now and you think, wow, that's a lot of word in there. Verse 21, uh, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Uh, the implanted word which does what? Which can save you. So the implanted saving word. Verse 22, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. That is the acted upon word. The word itself, of course, is active, but for you and I, it's the acted upon word. Verse 23, is the, that's the same word. And then verse 25, another name for word. We're not cheating here. The perfect law and the law of liberty. Verse 25, because he's talking about the word, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The perfect law, the law of liberty. Now, how do you engage with this word then? Well, the first thing to say is that the word engages with us. That's the truth. Uh, we, we must not think of ourselves as being in a storm. The other day it was raining. I've got a small permaculture farm and uh, we've had a little bit of rain lately, but it hasn't been penetrating into our hard clay soil. So I was, I was out watering in the rain, which seemed a little counterintuitive. It was only five mils rain. We needed 10 mils of irrigation. Um, uh, it might have seemed self-evident that I should go inside because it was raining, but I had an umbrella. <laughs> now, the, the point of the illustration is to say, you, none of us say to God in our prayers, in our destiny, in our gathering, thank you, God, that we were so clever that we got out of the rain. Thank you, God, that we were so clever that we worked out of all the possibilities to live my life. I ought to take hold of your word. The word of John 1, the creation word, the power of God, the inspired word. Thank you, God, that I worked out to get the word into my life. That's not the case, is it? The word came to us by grace. And we cannot tell why or how. Although I look at you roosters out there and think, oh, and, and classy hands and think, oh, I would have given you the gospel for sure. But for myself, how did, how did that work? It was just grace. So we understand that, don't we? But having, now having received the, the word, we engage with the word. And the way we do that, the way we listen, uh, is to listen quickly, uh, to be attentive to the Holy Spirit's urging and to pay attention. Now, in the Anglican tradition of which I'm part, uh, when, when it was all prayer book, we get to the end of the reading, we'd say, this is the gospel of the Lord, Praise be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We should say it at the end. I think we should say it at the beginning. To be super sensitive with radar ears. For me to say this is the word of the Lord and for you to train yourself in this regard. Now I get a very sore back because of way too much rugby. And the way I, the way I repair it and a busted up shoulder and man I love rugby. I'd still do it all again. But what I have, what I have to do is to teach myself to stand up straight, to think about having a, a tag there and pull it up. And over many years, I've trained myself to do that, just to straighten it all up. But here's, here's what James is saying, ready, quick to listen. As soon as you have a whiff of any thought that this is about to be a word of God moment, you stand to attention and you prick your ears up 
You get that? As I say at the beginning, this is the word of the Lord. And when I was growing up in the church as a young man, uh, we would stand for the gospel readings. That this is the gospel of the Lord and we'd all stand up. Which, which I think we should do for every reading. All stand up. It's the word of the Lord. Quick, stop talking. Don't be distracted. Brace up. Get on your radar ears. But not only that, also as we practice that, how do, how do we do that? We read the word carefully in big slabs, big parts of it. As much as we can take. So for my part, if we're reading big slabs of gospel, I'll read Mark because it's the shortest one. But you blokes are definitely being the Matthew or John. <laughs> and then you get portions, small portions, so you can memorise scripture. So now you have now memorised B. You can do it. Be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. So you memorise portions of scripture. Then you also go into places where you can hear it spoken. So God has appointed gifts in his church. Some of them are to be teachers. Some are to be preachers. What's the difference? Well, I think preachers are able to read the text, to understand it, and then to help apply it. You, you think? Not to come up with something different, but to understand and apply it. Where teachers will tell you, show you the depth of the thing. So, so you'd put yourself under a teacher and a preacher. If you had a choice, wouldn't you? That, that's, that'd be what you'd do. Uh, but also, you'd put yourself in a small group of people, a pastoral group, where you're going to open the scriptures and listen to other people and their sense of it and how it applies to them. And so you get a better feel for that and how to pray the word of God into people's lives and mission. You'd do that as well. But in every case, you'd say, be quick to listen, this is the word of the Lord. Pow! And here's my heart, Lord. Um, and the last one would be, this is the, to hear the word. Sometimes God will speak to you in your circumstances. Now, some people are just nutters. They're just nuts. And God speaks to them about all sorts of things. And over years, they've told me, and I've said, really? He didn't say it to me. But there are other people that you can trust now, when I say some are nuts and some are trustworthy, what I'm saying is spiritual discernment, which is clearly taught in Scripture, to have spiritual discernment. There are some people who can say to you, I have a, I have a sense coming to this situation that God wants us to pay particular attention to whatever the case. And over the years, you've all, you've all been part of that one way or another. But this is what God's saying to us about here, that we ought to go this way and not that way. We ought to seek out this person, perhaps not that person. Correct? especially with regard to mission but even in, in the in as you walk in the day god tells you walk down that aisle and you walk down that aisle and you see someone you hadn't seen for 20 years since they left the church to form their own home congregation and you can say thank you lord now give me two big ears for them since i've had two big ears for you and you get that now how, how then do you receive this word properly um, uh, how do you avoid selective deafness because James says you know you can't just hear the word you have to do it and again you say oh really James why do you have to say that so abruptly why can't you say hearing the word is really important and let me tell you what hearing means he says well you can't just hear it you've got to do it but he'll explain it later what he, I think it's okay for me to say what he means is this who's ever had a teenage son Whose teenage son had a PS 
2 or a PlayStation type thing. God has been good to you. Okay, so here's how it works. Mate, you need to go and feed your dog. Yeah, right. There's a dog at the back. Mate, did you feed the dog? Nah. I told you to feed the dog. I heard you. <laughs> you know that phenomenon, don't you? Well, he didn't hear you. He didn't hear you. And so that's just the simplest illustration I can give of how you hear the word of God. You say, yeah, yeah, I listen to him all the time. Yeah, my son's saying, I listen to my dad all the time. I hear everything he says. And that's why the dog died. <laughs> So, and James, James thankfully defines it for us. So in verses 23 and 24, he says, look, this is, this is an example. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man, uh, a person who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So this person in the mirror, they observe. The word is not hasty glance. It means they look. They do. They look. They observe. But then they go away and they forget. Contrast this with verse 25. This is the person who truly hears. He's the one who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. This is the word. And continues to do this, that is perseveres, not forgetting what's been heard, but doing it. And he'll be blessed in what he does. So the person with the mirror observes. The believer with the word, it's a different word. They look into the, they look into the word. And it has to do with them bending over and looking in. Uh, they bend over and they, they peer in or they pour over it. The other person goes away, but this person perseveres. They stay there. They keep looking in. it, And then the other person forgets that this person acts upon that. They act. Now, notice that there's a promise there. It's with a promise, and it is that they will be blessed in their doing the word. Friends, uh, is this not an extraordinary truth that God blesses us when we do his word and he blesses other people there's blessing in doing his word praise God I think about this uh, often um, often when I look at the church and there are disappointing things about the church and that's true if you're a glass half full person or if you're under pressure at the time you might think but let me tell you over many years of being a believer the church is sensational for its blessedness and blessing. The Holy Spirit works in people in such a wonderful way. Christian people who take him at his word, who listen carefully, who speak slowly, who receive his word and peer into it and persevere, who stay engaged with their family, who stay engaged with their church, who stay engaged with their world, for they are the first fruits of the word of life these people are blessed and you can see it in them they're much more resilient they're much more joyful they're much more prone to respond in love and therefore being blessed in this regard they are a blessing to other people are they not people in the orbit of their lives are so grateful for them and we we need to whatever wherever your half glass is we need to take time occasionally, like right now, to say the glass is full of the blessings of God. 
for those who walk in the word of the Lord. I know you country people, so it's never going to happen, but, you know, down where I am in Nara, we'd have a hallelujah preacher, brother. <laughs> but I mean it most sincerely. Isn't, isn't that true? Hasn't that been your observation? The glass is full of the blessings of God for those who walk in his word. But also there's a challenge there, isn't it? And that is you go to the quietness of your own room and it'd be nice for you to do this if, you, if the Holy Spirit taps you on the heart on this one. So I don't see any blessing in my life at all. But I don't see any blessing in my life at all. That's not blessed. I won't start giving illustrations because it'll strike too close to the bone. That's not blessed and that's not blessed and that's not blessed. At which point, what you need to do, and this is between you and the Father in heaven and a careful counsellor if you want to take it further. Not a glib counsellor, not someone who's going to give you medication as a result and not someone who's going to come up with an easy fix but a spiritual counsellor who will pray this through with you because there'll be a lot of grief involved and that is where's the blessing in my life how, how, Lord, how, how did I get to this point and, and, and it's so barren when this is a promise what's happened here now I say to be very careful because for instance uh, the missionaries to India man did they pick a tough mission field and it remains so to this day. There's a movie coming out called Silence, which is about the mission uh, in Japan. There's another tough place. So there are people who have gone out to conduct mission and to bring in unsaved people who could say, Lord, that blessing has not come. But there was never a promise on that. Do you hear me carefully? There was never a promise on that. The promise was that God would take his word and add his blessing to it and give fruit to it. And you don't know about the contract between God and other people and their hearts, do you? You don't know about what's happening with regard to certain religions and their teaching and what that means or spirits involved in that. You don't know that. But here's what you do know. Here's what the scripture says, that those people who peer into, pour over, endure with the word will be blessed. They will be able to walk into a shopping centre having said to God, take me and use me and find a, walk out, find a way to walk out having been used. They will be able to go on a school camp and say, Lord, take me and use me. I want to be open to your word. Two big radar ears and get to the end of it and to have been used. They will be able to go into a crisis situation amongst people whose relationships have broken down and be able to say, Lord, use me and bless me. It doesn't mean they'll have a big house. It doesn't mean they'll drive a car as nice as GTs. This has got new tyres on it. It, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean those things. It means the blessing of participating in the first fruits of the creation 
and you know what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The ability to be a minister used by God. It doesn't mean everything turns to magic around you. It doesn't mean you've got a magic wand. It means you'll be blessed in the things of God. And we know that if the Lord Jesus Christ at his most triumphant in this life was so crucified upon a cross that we won't corrupt what that blessing means but we will ask, Lord, am I being blessed and am I blessing to others? So the last one, I'm going to cut it short. We're not going to get to anger very quickly. Uh, Two ears, one tongue, be slow to speak. It's a big idea for James. He sees it clearly. Uh, The Holy Spirit's saying to him as he writes to them, James, they've received the word of God, but they don't control their tongues. It's a problem. I want you to write to them about this. Uh, James 3, verse 6, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole cause of his life on fire. And itself is set on fire by hell. Now, either at this point, James is saying, let me show you how to joke as a preacher and get to the end and say, that's not really that bad. Don't worry about your tongues at all. Or is he saying, the Holy Spirit has shown me into the glory of heaven and he's made me understand the nature of tongues in the life of the church and I'm telling you, the fire itself is the fire of hell. The fire that this tongue lights is the fire of hell and it drags the person who owns it into hell and destroys others. It's a wildfire. Get your tongues under control. Isn't that his message? That's it. That's it. I wouldn't say it so strongly to you, personally. I wouldn't, uh, which is probably just a demonstration that I don't have the same inspiration God breathed of the Holy Spirit that James did when he said this. Bridle your tongues. And what's at stake here is if you don't bridle your tongues, your heart is deceived and your religion is worthless. Get your tongues under control. Discipline your tongue. I've recently been involved in a situation in church that we're part of where people didn't get their tongues under control. And, and you see how it works. Think about triangulation. This person's got a problem with this person. They don't have the spiritual confidence or the foundation in Christ or the courage or the necessary love to deal with this person but they do know about the pollution of the world they go and talk to another person and they don't talk to a person who's going to say to them go straight back to where you started and talk to them they talk to someone who they know is going to go oh really Ooh, that's not right they've mistreated you someone who's going to say to you forget your ears use your tongue and get stuck into anger because you're justified so much harm done. And in the one that we're, aware, that we're aware of, so much harm done to people who should never have been involved in the conflict or the sin. But it happened because tongues whispered. In the absence of the person they were whispering about, they were like Satan in the garden. The sibilant whisper that says, did he really say? That's not exactly how it happened, was it? Couldn't you do it this way? You think it's just letting someone know a prayer point. God thinks it's the temptation of the evil one. Get to learn the difference. Get to learn the difference. Uh, Jesus 
taught this very clearly, did he not? He said, if someone sins against you, go and tell everyone you can. (laughs) He said, go and tell them. And I'd put it to you, don't even go and tell them unless you've told the Father. Don't even get on your bike till you spent time on your knees. Go and tell them. If they won't listen, then go and tell everyone else. No, even then. One other person. Just one. And that person is not creating a triangle. They're coming back to that person. Here's how it works in the life of the church. Someone comes to have a whisper to you about someone and you say, hang on, I've got their phone number, I'll ring them now and I'll get them to come over. I'm not joking either, I mean it, I mean that. Hang on, let's make, a, let's make a date with him. Let's make an appointment and we'll sort this out really fast because we are first fruits of the new creation. There is no way we're going to give licence to our tongues. Not a chance. So cut off the triangle as quick as you can. Don't let people triangulate you as quick as you can. Stop it. Have this one in mind too. It's an acrostic. It's, it goes think. Paul says bridle your tongues, which means just wait, slow up a bit. Well, here's how to do it. Anytime before you speak about anyone, about anyone, anyone, thinking, even my sister. That's only half a joke. <laughs> As in, no, I really do take to heart the fact that even my sister, you need to have this acrostic in your mind. Think. T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Or is it partially true? Or is it not, could it be true? Is what you're saying true? If you are wise enough to check it with God, say this is what I believe to be the case is this true God if he says it's true then check it again just I want to make sure God this is this true not partially true not potentially true is it true second is it helpful does it help does it help what's going on friends I've, I've been a Christian for a long time a long time 1979 actively involved in ministry for most of that time Things just pass. You know, stuff that you thought was going to be the end of the world or the beginning of the world or the biggest thing in the world, it just passes and it wasn't helpful. You know, the the person who saw a a widow in distress and cared for them, that stands for eternity, doesn't it? But the little bit session you had with someone that seemed so important that you copied it and it just hasn't helped anything. It's not helpful. One of the wonderful things about being part of a church is you get godly people in there. And so in the problem that we had at at our church, there were a number of people going, right, you take the pitchforks, I'll get the fire sticks, let's go get them. And then then they got halfway down the paddock, another mob were coming the same way. But it was only a small number of people. Most of the people in the church were thinking, nah, nah. We're not even going to buy into it. You know what? We're not even going to take sides. We've been around long enough to know, nah, blessed are the peacemakers. Put it down, put it down. And we want to tell you about, no, nah, we don't hear it. 
It's not helpful. Well, uh, no, it's not helpful. You put it down. You've been around for a while. Let me tell you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Listening to you yap on about your grief, just not helpful. No, no, no. I know you feel justified. It's just not helpful. Don't say it. The other one is it inspiring. And what is it that... What is it the gospel inspires? What does the love of God inspire? What does the love of Christ inspire? And the answer is love. So having spoken this thing, who is going to love more as a result? If, as you think about it, you can't answer the positive for any of the people involved, don't say it. Don't say it. Is it necessary? Probably not. Same thing with the long history. Probably not. It's probably not necessary. Probably not necessary. Um, uh, usually in a church, the people that get spoken about are the ministers. The rector gets spoken about. Oh, what did you think of his sermon? Oh, well, it was only 48 minutes today. That's much better than his 50 last week. I just joined about he wouldn't do that. But you, you, know, you know how it goes. There's nothing particularly harmful necessarily, but it's not necessary. You don't have to have that conversation. It's just not necessary to talk about the minister that often. He's not that important. He's only got one gift among many. Truth is, it's just not necessary to talk about the guy on parish council who you don't like. It's not necessary to do it. It won't change anything. It doesn't help anyone doesn't produce love it'll pass in a month's time no one will remember the last one is a really positive one is it kind and here's the thing about being a christian person in the church you know i i know i've been forgiven by jesus and i know that you've forgiven me for many things that's kind of you and kind of him and i my response tends to be kindness and i know that he loves me and i know that you love you so my response tends to be i tend to be kind with people Think, T-H-I-N-K, which is not meant to replace scripture. Uh, Memorise it by all means. Don't give it a verse or a passage or a book name or anything. It, do, it doesn't belong there. It's meant to help you understand the scripture ones. And the last one, and, and that is, and be slow to anger because anger doesn't achieve the righteous purposes of God. It just doesn't. And I'm not going to speak very long on this. I'm just going to say it just doesn't. For those who've been around for a long time, you can say, you can get up and say to younger people, it just didn't just didn't sure jesus was angry but it achieved the righteousness of god and he wasn't angry all the time and he certainly wasn't angry at people who who abused him he was angry at people who abused the father the reason he took a whip into the temple and that would have been a highly angry event high score anger was because of the father not because of himself on the contrary when he was angry he didn't strike when, when he was attacked he didn't strike back he was angry for righteousness. Our problem is we get angry and hope for righteousness or excusing it under righteousness. And it doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. Does that say you can never be angry? No, no, not of, not, 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 of course not. Paul says be angry but don't sin. Well, I put it to you there, better but not to be angry because getting the no, not sinning part, I mean, one of you might like to come and say, no, all my life I've been angry and I've never sinned. But we're not going to believe you. Be angry and sin not. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger is really dangerous for humans. It's really dangerous. 
And, and you see on, 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 on media, you know, personal media, being angry has kind of become like a virtue. Brothers and sisters, anger is very dangerous. It's not virtuous. It does not achieve the righteousness of God. It ought to be dealt with within a day in any case. And it kills hearing. Angry people can't hear. Their eyes closed over with a red mist of anger. They can't hear other people anymore and they certainly can't hear God. They're busy talking to him. God, how could you let this happen? Or God, I'm telling you, I need to tear them down for the sake of holiness and righteousness. They don't hear God's response, which is to say, be angry, but don't sin. You see what happens with anger? Well, anger gets excluded because it kills the other two. Once you get angry, you're busy advocating. What does an angry person do? They employ someone who gets paid to talk and write stuff down. They get a solicitor, true? You're angry and you pay people to talk. You increase the speaking, not decrease it. Brothers and sisters, stop being angry as I will stop preaching. Word, uh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Place your Holy Spirit blessing upon this congregation and these people in this church. <coughs> we thank you for the new birth of your word. Uh, thank you that this church has been participating for so many years as the first fruits of the new creation. May that prosper and prosper and prosper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.